Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Witness Docs from Stitcher. This is an historic time. This could be the next 1918 pandemic. Why is it taking so long to get a screening test? Are you isolating yourself? Who do you count on? It's actually to protect you. Wash hands, wash hands, wash hands. I mean, you're the scientist. You're going to have to tell me. (laughs) Greetings, greetings. Welcome to Science Rules. Coronavirus Edition. I'm your host, Bill Nye, and this is our special series in which we bring you the latest analysis and the science of this pandemic to keep you informed, prepared, and calm. We're all in this together, my friends. As of yesterday, globally, we just passed 1 million confirmed cases of COVID-19 and more than 51,000 deaths 4,500 of those, almost 10% of those deaths, have been in the U.S. The University of Washington's Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation, the IHME, which you might see on a lot of these graphs, now projects 94,000 deaths in the U.S. just during the first wave of infection happening this spring and summer. We're taking a hard hit here in the U.S. to our health, but also to our economy. As of the end of March, a record 6.6 million U.S. workers filed for their first week of unemployment benefits. Congress just passed a $2 trillion booster package, the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, CARES. It's the biggest stimulus package in U.S. history, my friends. But will it work? Will it be enough? Will it stimulate That's why today we're talking with Annie Lowry. Annie's a journalist who writes on politics and economic policy for The Atlantic. Previously, she covered economic policy for The New York Times, and she has written a book called Give People Money. Welcome to Science Rules, Annie. Thank you so much for having me. You're an expert on this. I mean, we figure looking around, the economy is pretty much shut down. I mean, how much is shut down? Are we really officially in a recession? We we probably well it it's actually interesting. There there is a committee that decides 
when we are in a recession and when we aren't. And generally, we think about um, naming a soft patch or a slowdown as actually officially becoming a recession when it's been extended over half a year, about six months of, of decline in activity. Um, what we are in right now is, by anybody's understanding, certainly a recession and an extremely severe one at that. We've not officially said that we are in one yet. Um, but even if this doesn't last for six months and we see a rebound in activity, um, people expect that this will be named a recession officially because it's so severe. So here's just a, a question. Is there some way we could keep the lights on, keep the water running, keep the internet working, and just sort of freeze everything? Tenants manage, landlords just chill. We're just going to not worry about anything for a few months and then pay bills, pay everybody, pay each other's bills in three or four months from now or six months from now. Well, is that such a thing possible? I mean, do we always have to be growing the economy, grow the economy? Do we always have to do that? I think that what you are describing is what governments around the world are trying to do with varying rates of success. So a really central part of that $2.2 trillion bill that passed Congress was uh, something that they're doing for payroll protection. They're saying to small and medium enterprises, if you keep your workers on payroll, we will give you a loan that will turn into a grant, right? So free money from the government if you maintain your payrolls. You know, Congress sent $1,200 checks to a large chunk of Americans, um, pretty much everybody up to the point of, of kind of middle to high income families will, will get one. We've expanded unemployment insurance payments. Um, and you don't need to formally lose your job to get those. You can, you can also be furloughed or have a reduction in hours. We expanded who can, who can receive those payments. But I think, uh, we haven't been able to freeze the whole economy. We didn't have policies in place that would help us do that. By the way, hang, hang on a second. Where, where does the 1200 bucks per person come from? Uh, Congress. Yeah. The treasury. Uh, we just, we just start printing money. Yeah. So we, 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 um, we are not printing it. Um, the government will sell bonds to cover the very, very large deficit that it will have this year. So am I, do I go buy bonds? Do I buy COVID bonds like in World War II? Yeah. So public investors around the world will buy those. There's great demand for treasury debt right now because it's considered a very safe asset and everybody wants safe assets. So investors all around the world will will buy government debt and they won't be special special bonds. They'll just be regular United States treasuries of which there so, are trillions of dollars outstanding in the world. I was going to say, so this would be a, this is a situation where somebody in another country, Asia, somebody in Asia can own a substantial fraction of the U.S. debt. Is that right? So a lot of it is held by the government or the various Federal Reserve Banks itself. Americans hold a lot of this debt, um, but it's international. So yeah, other investors, other financial firms from all around the world um, invest in, in American debt. So, okay. So we're, wh what's the down and the upside of Bill's freezing question? If we just told everybody to hold on till we can open our doors again? Um, it's a great question. And so some other countries have, have done this. Um, what's, a, what's an example? So Italy, for instance, said that, that you know, during this extraordinary challenge and, and they're facing a really terrible public health crisis, sort of like we are, 
um, that mortgages are not going to be due. You don't have to pay your mortgage. And so we could do something like that here. We don't have policies in place to do it. And it's a little bit tricky with mortgages and rents because you have to figure out, does that, does that just mean that everybody is going to owe six months of rent from now, six months, six months later? Yeah, right, does it mean exactly. that the government is going to step in to pay it? Um, so right now you're seeing states and cities do things like freeze evictions um, uh, or put eviction moratorium uh, up. Um, and people are going on rent strike. Um, so I think that we're going to see a lot of policy making around this question. But for right now, we have this pretty terrible situation in which a lot of people are losing their jobs or losing work. But as you point out, the bills are still coming and they still have to be paid. Do they have to be paid? I mean, could you stop the whole thing, the, the money owed and the money paid? I think that you could, um, but you would have to deal with um, how that would affect the financial economy and the kind of knock-on effects of that policy, right? So if everybody stops paying their mortgage, that's going to affect um, mortgage-backed securities. It's going to affect lenders' balance sheets. Um, it is going to have a wealth effect where, you know, people who might be on the other side of that transaction aren't receiving that income that they expected either. So it's a hard thing to do. I think it's a possible thing to do, but it's a difficult thing to do. And we're all, we're making this up on the fly because this is, this is happening really fast. Right. So let me ask you this. Is there, there's a connection for sure between physical suffering and economic suffering right? Yeah. Is uh, when you're sick, you don't work. You can't work. You can't be productive. And also you need health care. Mm -hmm. You got to go someplace. So that's a burden on the economy. But is there a lag? Is there a time where you could just um, finance it? Is that what this 1200 bucks per person is? This is where you're going to finance it for a few months until everybody can or enough people can get back to work. Yeah, the idea, I think, is that the government wants to step in and become the economy while we have this this kind of freeze with everything stuck in place. Is that what happened in World War II? Yeah, I mean, so this, in a lot of ways, it doesn't look like a recession so much as it looks like a kind of wartime mobilization effort. And what tends to happen in, in wars, and particularly acute wars, is that the economy as we know it in some ways stops and a different economy takes over as, as a country reorients itself um, towards its own defense. And so, you know, um, this has elements of that. It looks somewhat like that. Um, but again, it's, it's just, it's a very unique situation that, that we have in this country, despite the fact that, that um, pandemics are, are not so unique, certainly not historically. We'll be back right after this. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system 
bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. It took years for the United States to get involved in World War I. Mm -hmm. It took years for the U.S. to get involved in World War II. Mm -hmm. But once it did, people did, it just got turned up to 11, as we say. Uh, mm -hmm. So are we going to – do you predict that the United States is going to focus on making N95 masks, ventilator machines, hospital beds – drug um, therapies, antivirals, and antibody detection, and a vaccine, ultimately? I mean, is it just going to crank like that automatically, or does it need top-down pushing? Does the government running the economy have to run that, run those efforts, rather? Yeah, I think a lot of that is going to be federal spending. And, um, you know, uh, one thing that, that, that we've seen is the possibility that President Trump will basically use the power of the federal government in an emergency to take over factories to make ventilators and hospital equipment. Um, he has not done that yet, but a number of companies have um, been called on to sort of switch over to things like ventilator and mask production, and that will ramp up. And I think one important thing is that, you know, that's that's really important and, and really necessary, given that we're facing these critical um, equipment shortfalls, uh, which is endangering lives. Um, but that ramp up of production is not going to be nearly enough, anywhere close to enough to, to make up for the loss of activity from the shelter in place um, and the halting of activity. Um, you know, the, the fact that everybody has really stopped moving. How much... Is somebody's health affected by, uh, for lack of a better term, worry? You know, you're you're unable to work either because uh, you, the hotel you work at is closed, or you somebody in your family's sick and you have to uh, nurture that person, mm -hmm. and so you're just worried all the time. How much does that affect the economy? That's something that you've spent a lot of time with, right? Quite a bit. Yeah. Um, recessions are horrible for people's health. They are. Um, a kind of funny sort of curious um, side note to that is that, that recessions often reduce mortality because the decline in economic activity comes with a decline in things like car crashes. Um, but uh, on the flip side, recessions are, are awful for people's mental health. They're terrible for their physical effect and they, I'm um, sorry, terrible for their physical health. 
Um, and, and they have even intergenerational effects, really bad recessions kind of show up a generation later too. Um, yeah, everybody who's, everybody who's in school right now, everybody, no matter what level of school you're in, kindergarten through grad school, you're going to talk about this the rest of your life. I couldn't go to my graduation. I missed fourth grade. Uh, all mm-hmm. of us missed the se- missed fourth grade. No, I can't do algebra or whatever the pick a sentence, you know, I didn't learn any history yeah. because yeah. So, um, uh, but on the other hand, you know, as I say all the time, of course I was born in the U S and I, I'm patriotic how to say on the other hand, what's built in to the U S system is change is adapting, mm-hmm. is working with these things. How flexible <laughs> How flexible is the U.S. economy, mm-hmm. in, in your estimation, compared with others and compared with the past? I would say that, that there is, you know, we are facing terrible choices here. There's, there's no good options here, right? Like, we, we need to have this recession to help contain this terrible pandemic that's killing people and making them sick. One thing I would say is kind of a a silver lining or something to be grateful for, I guess is probably a better way to put it, is that the United States came into this crisis with a very strong economy. Um, We have more financial and real resources than any other country on earth. And so we have a lot of resources to fight this. And we will probably rebound better than some other countries because of that ingenuity, that flexibility, those resources, you know, the wealth that we, we have. You would much rather be facing this in the United States than, than you would in a low-income country that doesn't have our public health infrastructure and doesn't have a treasury and a Fed that can create all of these new programs on the fly and, and do what they're doing. In your opinion, Annie... Lowry, when are we going to get back to normal? I think it's going to take a a very long time. Um, It seems that until we have widespread, quick testing set up and serological testing, so we know who has already had coronavirus and therefore cannot pose a risk to others, until we have that, I'm not sure that we know that we'll be able to let up with these kind of extreme shelter-in-place measures. Um, but this is this is going to be a multi-year fight, and my hope would be that that we would see a resumption of economic activity through the summer and the fall. But I, I think that you know it's really dependent on on the virus and our capacity to fight this in health terms first. The science it depends on the science, and the, it does. Yeah, so if we can come up with a test, then we could identify people who were no longer at risk. They've been infected. They've got antibodies, enough antibodies. And then, uh, exactly. and then they would be the delivery service people. They would participate in the service industry. They would change the world. Yep. Uh, uh, and this, what, what do you see as a small step in this, this summer that indicates the economy is starting to rev up again? What would be an example of that? I think that if you saw places that were confident that they had um, tests that they could identify who had COVID and thus who needed to be quarantined, and then perhaps also tests showing people who might have already had it, and then felt like they could relax those shelter-in-place measures, that you're going to start to see some economic healing at that point. And it'll probably happen in different places at, at different rates. Yeah. Restaurants will open, banks, branches will open, stores will open, things will start happening. So let me ask you this. Have we missed anything? 
uh, that you want to get across? And in your opinion, what's the most important thing for people to understand about COVID-19 and the economy? Yeah, um, we're facing a, a, a crisis of really terrible cataclysm. Um, one thing that I would point to as being hopeful is that um, we know from past pandemics that there is um, a cost to trying to reopen the economy too soon. There's a really great study of the 1918 flu pandemic, which killed more than half a million Americans, showing that public health interventions to slow the spread or stop the spread um, actually helped places with their economies down the road um, because fewer people died and because they were able to get back to normal. The hope is that in the longer term, uh, the healthier we can keep the country, the better we'll be able to rebound. So um, I would just say, you know, we we are stuck with only bad choices here. And, and I think that we're going to try to do everything that we can to to help with the pain and and to, to help keep people healthy first. So that's 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 what I would say is my takeaway from this um, legitimately traumatic and, and awful thing that we're all experiencing. Wow. Uh, thank you. Thank you for your your insights, your thoughts, your uh, your your knowledge. This has been great. Thank you so much, uh, Annie Lowry. Who's uh, should we should we promote your book? Sure, yeah. Uh, give people money, <laughs> and uh, she's uh, an expert on the a journalist, an expert on the economy. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. And before we go, uh, we like to get a story from our listeners. People leave us voicemails in our voicemail inbox. And today we have an anonymous caller who is feeling some of the financial effects of this pandemic. Let's roll that digital recording. Hi, Bill. Uh, I'm here to call you and let you know let you know of my experience with COVID-19. I'm a, I'm a wheelchair-bound woman. I have persistent medical bills, but my doctor is swamped with COVID-19 cases. My doctor and others are being taken away from being able to help others, you know, because of this. I'm not able to get the care I need, but, you know, my dream job is on hold now. I'm a licensed helicopter pilot, and I, I run deliveries, I run a taxi service, and I give people tours, all for my, all for my chopper. Since this pandemic, since this global crisis, no one is hiring. This virus is taking people away from their work, from their lives, and from pursuing their dreams. And my dream job, you know, escaping this chair to the sky. Uh, thank you for your time, Bill. Thank you, Corey. Stay safe. All right. Thank you. Thank you, uh, helicopter pilot. My, oh my. Hoping to live her dream sometime soon when the economy comes back. If you'd like to join the conversation, and I hope you do, uh, leave us a voicemail about your experience with this pandemic on the phone number of 201-472-0785. That's 201-472-0785. I'm Bill Nye, and my friends, this is a serious thing. This is a pandemic. But we are all in this together, and more than ever, science rules. If you like Science Rules, please take a moment to rate and review it in Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. It helps us out, helps other people learn about the show, so thank you. Science Rules Coronavirus Edition is a production of Witness Docs from Stitcher. The show is produced by Stephanie Kariuki, Claire Rawlinson in Australia, and Corey S. Powell. 
Our editor is Tracy Samuelson. Our engineer is Luz Fleming, who also mixed this episode. Peter Clowning is our executive producer. Special thanks again to Casey Hallford. Chris Bannon is the chief content officer at Stitcher. And at Stitcher, science rules. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 